0: Have you ever wondered why God sent his son as a helpless
1: baby? He didn't send Jesus into the world that first Christmas as a conquering king with a host of angel armies to overturn the world's system of power.
0: He didn't send a polished politician either.
1: Someone whose perfect policies would please everyone and create a political dynasty.
0: God didn't send a celebrity to dazzle us with award-winning performances or move us with heart-wrenching songs.
1: And he didn't send a multi-billionaire to build a business empire and give us a lot of money and pay our bills and make us rich.
0: Instead, God sent a son
1: born in poverty
0: born of a virgin
1: to live and grow on this earth
0: to experience every aspect of the human condition
1: the suffering and the pain
0: The joys and the laughter, too.
1: No, it wasn't military or political power.
0: It wasn't influence or fame.
1: It wasn't great wealth to make us the envy of the world.
0: God gave us love.
1: Love that was dependent on others.
0: A child helpless and vulnerable.
1: To Herod, who sought to kill him.
0: To a religious system that scoffed.
1: And to a political system that hated him.
0: Jesus was vulnerable to the elements. To hunger. To the cold.
1: And to the sword.
0: He had no social standing.
1: Instead, when Herod sent his soldiers, he had to flee for his life.
0: Before he could even run.
1: God gave us what we needed most
0: a precious son who was without sin
1: who would show the world a perfect life
0: and open up a way to the father so that all of us could be reconciled to god
1: for god so loved the world that he gave us his only son
0: today as we prepare our hearts for christmas we remember the love of god
1: a love given
0: a love that gives
1: Today, we let that giving love open our hearts.
0: As we light candle of Advent, we let the love that Jesus brings fill our hearts.
1: Today, we come to the manger to find the love of God.
2: It's good to be with you today. Um, thank you so much, worship team. Thank you, Aaron and Terry. It's an amazing season we're in, the season of Advent, where we look back at the first coming and look ahead to the second Advent, uh, which is coming. And we've been, uh, in this season of Advent, uh, encouraging each other through the prophetic words that are thousands of years old, that were uttered uh, in the nation of Israel, and we've been now looking at uh, various prophetic passages throughout the season of Advent, I hope you've been encouraged. I hope you've been able to see that what we're facing now is very much uh, what they were facing then, and that the promise of the coming Messiah is eternally relevant, eternally relevant to our hearts. So today, if you want to open your Bibles to uh, Isaiah chapter 6, that's, uh, uh, sorry, Isaiah chapter 9, that's today's text. These are powerful promises in a dark world. If you think about when this text was given, it was given uh, to the nation of Israel about 2,700 years ago. It was the time when the Assyrian Empire was attacking the northern part of the nation of Israel, the northern kingdom. In Judah, Isaiah was prophesying uh, to King Uzziah and then King Hezekiah. He was uh, letting them know that despite the fact that these enemies were all around them, despite the fact that their sin had brought this upon them, that there was yet to be hope there was yet to be good news. And as I think about today and we think about all of the activity that's going on around us, um, you know, we hear things about China, we hear things about Russia, we hear we have our own internal conflicts, we have our own sin and selfishness. Part of what makes this pandemic difficult is that we realize, as we're cooped up in our homes, we are, we are selfish. At least I'll say this, I am selfish. I am crusty. I am not getting things exactly the way I want them. And there's, there's friction. Are you, are you tracking with me? Are you feeling that? So we're, we're going to uh, look at this passage today, and, and we're going to talk about some incredibly good news. And I want you to put that in context in fact, I wanted to read a section out of Isaiah eight because it's, it's. Uh, I think it's particularly, particularly prophetic about this background uh, in which this prophecy is given. So, in the in this chapter before the one we're going to study today, we see this amazing uh, judgment coming on the nation of Israel, and we see. We see these, uh, these, these warnings, and um, it's interesting in chapter 8, uh, verses 10, um, uh, sorry, verses 12 and 13, the Lord is speaking to them, and he says this, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear, and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. It is the Lord Almighty you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. So in that context of of judgment, now the prophet's gonna come out and give us this amazing prophetic word. And here's the big idea of today. The big idea of the message today is that the king and his kingdom are a manifestation of love that is fierce and zealous. We're going to see a manifestation of love that is fierce and zealous. And Jesus is inviting us into an adventure of zealous love. In other words, the passion and the zeal of the Lord, which is the key idea in this passage, are going to make everything that I'm going to talk about this morning happen. We don't have to make it happen. He's going to make it happen. And here's what he wants to do. He wants to captivate us. Then he wants to cleanse us. And then he wants to consume us. He wants to captivate us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants to consume us. At the end of today's service, we're going to celebrate communion. So I want to invite you, as we go through this passage, and we'll have two or three discussion times, to prepare your hearts for communion. You'll celebrate at home, and we'll celebrate here after the, at the end of the service Uh, when the, the live stream is over. So today's message comes in three parts. Number one, the first five verses of Isaiah 9, chapter 1 to 5, the coming of the Messianic age. God announces that there's going to be a new era, a new age, in verses 1 to 5. Second part of the message is he's going to give us the character. He's going to reveal the character of the Messianic king, in verses 6 and 7. And then the third part of the message is we're going to respond to the zeal of Jesus Christ. We're going to respond to what he did for us. You heard in this morning's dramatic reading what, what the Messiah was and what he is and what he isn't. But make no mistake, in the first time around, he introduced the kingdom and died for us on the cross. In the second time around, he will establish his full messianic kingdom. So let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of worship. We thank you, Father, uh, for this text, for this amazing good news. And Lord, right now I want to lift up this congregation and those that are worshiping online. Lord, I want to ask you to touch us as only you can touch us across the distance, across the uh, location that we're in, and to bring fully, fully to bear. Your purposes for us this morning. And Lord, I also want to lift up Jada Kirk, a member of our youth group, 17 years of age, Lord. She's been missing since Friday morning. She does not have her phone. Lord, we ask, you know where she is. Her mother doesn't know where she is, but you know where she is. So we ask you to find Jada, Lord, and return her safely in the name of Jesus. The church agreed and said, Amen. 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 Okay, let's dive into the text. So uh, the first thing we we see here is the the, uh, announcement uh, of uh, the prophet. It says, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. The nation was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, the Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. This is the opening part of the passage. We see that God has come in the northern part of Israel to Galilee. That's where Jesus' ministry would start to the part of Israel that had probably suffered the most with all of the foreign attackers. And there was nothing they did to deserve it. Remember, they in chapter 8, they were still in sin. They were still rebelling, just like us. They were just filled with selfishness and all the other issues that go along with life in a pandemic. They were in that very same spot, and there was nothing they could do about it The Lord said, this is what's going to happen in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. The light is going to shine. Now, uh, look at this map and just see what we're talking about. Zebulun is over there on the left part of the picture. That's where the village of Nazareth is located. Naphtali wraps around the left side or the west side of the Sea of Galilee and includes the city of Capernaum. And then it says uh, that it's the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations, by the way of the sea. Now, the way of the sea, by the time Jesus comes, was the famous Roman road called the Via Maris, the way of the sea. That is the red line in the picture there. So Jesus moves his ministry from Nazareth, where he is rejected, to Capernaum. From Zebulun to Naphtali to Capernaum. And this is a road, eighty million people living in the Roman Empire at the time of Jesus. Fifteen to twenty million people would pass by here every year on this road. So Jesus moves himself into the mainstream and he fulfills this prophecy by moving his ministry to Capernaum. So this is this is the Uh, the picture unfolding. Now let's continue and see what the prophet says. What we get now in verses 3, 4, and 5 is we get the picture of the victory. This is what God's going to do for them. Uh, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Uh, For us, in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered us, shattered the yoke that burdened them the bar across their shoulders the rod of their oppressor so he brings in the 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 memory of Gideon and the defeat and remember what happened there Gideon started with 32,000 men and God whittled them down to 300 so he would get the credit not Gideon or not the army and the same thing here every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire The pictures of victory are in a setting of war and destruction. They're going to have extravagant joy. They're going to have a bountiful harvest, food and and wealth. They're going to have the plunder. They're going to have victory. War will end. Victory will come. And this is the picture of the coming Messiah. He's going to set everything right. There will be victory. Victory. So let's just pause right there and have a discussion. Jamie's going to moderate the discussion here and he's going to pick up your comments from online. Um, But I've got a couple of questions for you. Has the light of Jesus dawned on you as he dawned on the Galilee of the Gentiles? You know, this is the picture of Jesus was going to be a Messiah for all the nations, all the Gentiles. That's us. I don't think we have very many Jewish people here. We're Gentiles. And this is is part of the prophecy. Has the light of Jesus dawned on you? And what does that mean for the battles in your life? You know they were struggling and they were fighting their own internal sin battles. They were being oppressed by enemy attackers. But what about the battles in your life? It might be, Uh, unhealthy habits. It might be financial woes. It might be employment. It might be uh, uh, family unity. It might be all kinds of things. So I'm going to turn it over to you to discuss uh, for a couple of minutes, and then we'll have a a brief time of sharing. And uh, if you've got a comment, just put your hand up for Jamie, and he will come and let you share with us. All right. That's not a ton of time to discuss, but... uh, Maybe somebody would like to share. This is a good time to share a testimony about how Jesus dawned on your life or how he's impacting some of the battles you're facing.
0: I was just thinking about when um, I was in high school. Uh, We had chapel service every Wednesday. I I went to a Christian school in Tennessee. And... um, that day there was a minister speaking and I don't know just something he said actually I do remember it was, uh, Romans 12 1 and 2 it just struck me to the heart and the light of Jesus dawned on me that day but I knew I could have answered every question that anyone asked me I had been in church my whole life but that day the light of Jesus dawned on me makes me cry but um then what does that mean for battles I don't have to fight them the Lord is going to fight my battles for me. I don't have to do it.
2: Amen. Amen. Great testimony. Thank you. Yeah, it's good. It's a great way to think about it, isn't it? Just that we can be in church, we can know the word of God, and then, just like Samuel, you know, he was in the temple serving with Eli, and he had never heard the the voice of God, and that one day, everything changed. And it's... uh, it's the thing that only God can do is just to show up in our lives powerfully. Amen. Got one more over there, Jamie. <clears throat>
3: yeah. um, so I just, um, God showed me how he fights our battles for us. And um, it was through a dream that he said, um, I was sitting in an office and I was sad because there was a, I was sitting in a doctor's office and I was sad because there was a a pit bull in my house just wreaking havoc. And I was sitting in the doctor's office, then a a man with uh, boots, army boots came up and he stood in front of me and I looked up and it was uh, John Goodman. He said, I'll go and get that dog for you. And um, he said, and, and, and he, it reminded me of the scripture of the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And the word of God is so powerful in our lives. Jesus is so powerful in our lives that when we uh, use his word, his word is uh, powerful and, 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 and goes forth and fights our battles for us.
2: Amen. All right, one more right there. Jamie?
4: Well, I'm beginning to think that uh, Ravi Zachariah is always foreshadowing what's going to go on here at the church on Sunday mornings, but he always has a word, and this morning he was talking about meeting with someone whom he did not identify, who was the leader of a nation. I was, I don't know where, he didn't say, but he said he met with him after one of his presentations and the person he would not identify the sex of the person, but whoever it was, after he had prayed with this person said that was the first time he had ever heard anyone pray in his entire life, or his or her entire life. Mm. And you can be sure that Ravi had uh, a real ministry with that person as far as the rest of his life was concerned in his impression, Amen. so... You, you never know, but what you say or do has a huge impact on people.
2: Yeah, and you never know when you meet someone yeah. and you say, uh, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, say, can I pray for you now? Yes, yes. And what can happen in that moment? Because we have the very words of life. Yep. Yeah. Right, we have them. Yeah. And we can just step into that moment. Thank you, Terry.
5: There's a couple people online. There's a couple of people online sharing... Uh, Rob Seaton said, having the light of Jesus means I don't need to despair when things go poorly. It doesn't th- mean things won't be hard, but he gives hope. Dennis Spurgeon said, Helen says, the light of Jesus allows me to be at peace in the world that is confusing and to be at peace within it. And then Michelle Forsyth said, we have to give those battles
2: up to him. Amen. Amen. All right, excellent. Well, let's jump into part two. Now we're going we've got, to, we've got this general awareness and, and announcement of the coming Messianic kingdom. Now the prophet zeroes in on the character of the Messiah in verses six and seven. So it says uh, in verse six, for us, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Let me, let me just unpack that. This is, this is like the most dense revelation about Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, it is powerful. So first of all, we hear that a child is going to be born. In other words, into time, a child will be born. This is going to happen in time. It's going to happen... As a, at a point in time. But also, it then says, and uh, to us, a son is given. It's really important for us to see the difference between the virgin birth, the, the, the virgin birth of Jesus into anno domini, into a particular point in time. But then also, we read, but to us, a son is given. This is a son given from all eternity. This is a son who is pre-existing who and we're going to see how he appears in these words before the moment. But he is given to us. So this is coming into time and the government will be on his shoulders and we now know, of course, that is going to happen the second time around. There is a kingdom that Jesus established and he is the head of the kingdom. But the government of the world on his shoulders is yet to come. So that is coming. And we can see that Isaiah is seeing all kinds of things about the future Messiah, and he's not necessarily seeing the gap between the first advent and the second advent. All right, so let's unpack these four titles that he's given Jesus. First of all, wonderful counselor. This word wonderful is amazing. In Judges chapter 13, verse 18, the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ, is speaking to Samson's parents. And they ask him what his name is. And he says, my name is too wonderful for you. <laughs> then uh, in Judges 6, when he's talking to Gideon, he appears, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon. And Gideon uh, Gideon is totally shocked. In fact, the angel of the Lord appears several places, and there's this element of wonder, this element of supernatural awesomeness that is on on Jesus. In Isaiah 11, he says he's going to have the spirit of counsel. He's going to have the spirit of counsel. He's going to know exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it, and who to say it to he's going to come in uh, and marvel the world will marvel at him and then Jesus himself the night before he died in John chapter 14 verse 16 says it's good that that i go because i'm going to send you another counselor so Jesus is also a counselor so we we see this picture of wonderful counselor and and this This is a supernatural one who knows the right thing to do, the right thing to say, and we see that in no better situation than at the woman at the well, where he speaks to the woman at the well, he tells her prophetically about her entire life, he gives her the gospel, and he sends her back into her village to tell everybody about the Messiah being here. Mighty God. Let's look at Mighty God. This is uh, uh, this word "mighty" is powerful. It's used in Isaiah 10 as well, verse 21. It means mighty warrior, champion, giant, a chief, one who's incredibly strong, defeats every enemy, and also that he will be God. He will be God himself. So in the beginning, John chapter 1, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So we see that this mighty God is going to come. He's going to defeat. Jesus would say, I am. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was arrested, they said, "Uh, are you Jesus of Nazareth? He said, I am. He said, Yahweh, and they all fell down. They all fell down. So he is this this mighty, awesome God. And uh, the sword of the Lord is going to, Psalm 45, is going to take care of all of our our enemies. Everlasting Father. This is a a very challenging one because we think, well, is he also the father? No, 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 he's not the father. This is the father, literally the father of eternity or the father of the coming age. Now, in Genesis 4, when Tubal is the one who is the father of all of those who played instruments, Jesus is the father of the new human race that will be resurrected from the dead. Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead so that he could have the supremacy in all things. So Jesus, who has the father's heart completely, will be the father of the coming age. He will be the one who earned the right for us to enter the coming age. He will be the one who forgives our sins and brings us into eternal life. So, he will be the father of the eternal age. And then lastly, the prince of peace. The rule of shalom. In Acts 3.15 in the King James Version it says you killed the prince of life. In the encounter with Gideon in Judges 6, uh, Gideon says, oh my gosh, I've seen the angel of the Lord. I'm dead. The first thing the angel of the Lord says to Gideon is peace. Peace. I give you peace. I give you my peace. So Jesus is going to be the one who brings shalom. And remember, if you look at the individual Hebrew letters in the word shalom, uh, we went over this when we went through the book of Isaiah, it literally means destroying the authority associated with chaos. That's what the word shalom, if you look at each individual letter and what that letter stands for, it means destroy The authority associated with chaos. So he will bring the Prince of Peace. He will bring all things. Now, when you think about this, we hear this phrase all the time: do you want to be on the right side of history? Let me tell you, church, if you want to be on the right side of history, if you're watching today and you want to be on the right side of history, you need to be with the Wonderful Counselor because he's got the best ideas in the world. He brings the kingdom. He knows exactly what to say, and you can follow him. Yes, yes. You've got the mighty God who defeats every single enemy, and you can trust him. You've got the everlasting Father who brings endless, perfect life. You can enjoy him forever. And you've got the Prince of Peace who brings shalom, you can anticipate him, and you can welcome him. Amen? Amen. This is what Isaiah is saying to us today. This is a spectacular revelation. And the kingdom is launched, but in verse 7 we see it's not yet. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it, with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this this is the kingdom launched but it's not yet here it's coming this is why we celebrate the first advent and the second advent because we can know he's coming back because he came the first time we know he responded to the prophetic word of scripture and fulfilled it totally And now we have in prophetic word of Scripture in Revelation, we have the whole second coming uh, laid out for us. And we know that's good, not because it's pie in the sky, but because he already fulfilled 80% of the Bible. He already made good on every single promise. And so what is this zeal of the Lord? What is this zeal of of the Lord? And the zeal is this remember Jesus in the temple, John chapter 2, verse 17, makes a whip, cracks the whip, he turns the tables over, and then it is said right then in that moment, the zeal for the Lord consumes me. So Jesus was up on the temple mount, he was turning over all the tables of all the merchandising that was going on because it was supposed to be a house of prayer and it was supposed to be a gathering place for the nations and where they were selling all that stuff was blocking about you you could fit about a hundred thousand more unbelievers in there if they weren't there and there'd be a hundred thousand more people who could see the temple and experience the presence of God he was mad because they had made it a den of thieves and because they had not allowed it to be a house of prayer for all the nations. So he, he comes into that. And, and this is what the zeal of Jesus is all about. Let me, let me just say, this is leaving the glory of heaven. That's what zeal is all about. It is taking on human limits. That is what zeal is all about. It is being born in a smelly barn that is the zeal of the Lord. It is having a Uh, life of difficulty and sweat and toil. That's the zeal of the Lord. That's suffering. That's the zeal of the Lord. The denial of Peter. The betrayal of Judas. That is the zeal of the Lord. The abandonment of the Father on the cross where you literally see the Father abandoning him and then you see Satan tormenting him and he is out of blood He is naked. He is being shamed and derided by all people walking by on the road to Damascus right there outside the city gates. And he is in the most absolute, destitute, horrific suffering possible. And the shame of all of that, that is the zeal of the Lord. That's what he did for us. And all you need to do is say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. I trust you to cleanse my sin. I trust you to come back for me. And I'm going to live for you the best way I know how. That, that is the gospel. He did it all, and all we have to do is receive it. We don't have to perform. We don't have to uh, go through what he went through because he did it for us. There's a Canadian band called Down Here, and they have a song called How Many Kings. Let me just give you some of the lyrics, because this is the zeal of the Lord. How many kings step down from their thrones? How many lords have abandoned their homes? How many greats become the least for me? How many gods have poured out their hearts to romance a world that is torn apart? How many fathers give up their sons? for me. That's the zeal of the Lord. And that is going to accomplish every single thing that I've shared in this passage. So, we're going to break now and take a look at two discussion questions, or three discussion questions. What name given to Jesus is your favorite? Why is that? How does that stir up your love for Jesus? And if you have time, how do you demonstrate your love? But you'll have time to do that at the end as well. So let's take a couple minutes and talk about what this means for me. Let's uh, open it up for a bit of discussion. Yes,
5: Line said, the zeal of the Lord is a paradox between what we as humans expect and what God
2: actually does.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Got one over here, Jamie. Yeah, some uh, commentator said the zeal of the Lord is... Uh, All that he loves dearly and all that he hates passionately.
4: Um, For the names, I had two. I cheated. But I love um, the Lion of the Tribe of Judah because he is strong. And I love the Passover lamb because of his submission and sacrifice. And I think he's just a wonderful example to us. And uh, I love him even more just because of all that.
5: Amen. Jeremy Smith said here, Aubrey says Mighty God is her favorite
2: all right nice Aubrey thus saith Aubrey all right love it
3: anybody else a wonderful counselor and I was explaining to Lauren the reason why I picked that one is because when I think of a counselor I think of someone that I can share my innermost struggles with that would give me good counsel advice and guidance
2: good amen
5: Helen Spurgeon says, Prince of Peace, because he gives me peace when I ask. Nothing else in this world does that. All right, excellent.
2: All right, let's dive into part three. We'll have more time to share uh, our response. This is our response to the zeal of Jesus, okay? I want to start with uh, an episode in the New Testament. You know, Mary is 13, maybe 14 years old. The angel Gabriel appears to her. this is this is a shocking scene, and um, she's told that the Holy Spirit is going to make her conceive a child, and she's told that she's going to carry this child. She also is told that it's going to be the Messiah, and I'm sure she understood fully Isaiah chapter nine. I'm sure she had heard that several times at synagogue. I'm sure. Uh, There were many things going on in her heart because she was a godly young woman. And her response is uh, very simple. Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she agrees to carry the Most High God. And she agrees to all that's going to mean for her life, which is, as you can imagine, pretty significant. It's a picture of a response to the zeal of the Lord. Now, let's fast forward to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. And this verse already came up a bit earlier in our dramatic reading. But God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but instead would have eternal life. This is... The son who is given, God so loved the world, he gave his son into torture and hatred and misunderstanding uh, in order to earn our salvation for us. And this verse demands the very same question to us. It's, are, are we going to walk... In the way of God. The gift is perfect. A perfect son. The cost of that gift is everything. It costs God everything to give that gift. And the benefit of that gift is eternal. The benefit of that gift is eternal. And I I believe the Lord is asking us today... Will we say yes? But also, will we carry this message? Mary carried the Lord. God's not asking us to carry the Lord. God's asking us to carry the gospel. You know, Mariel told me the other day that an old man and a teenager came to the door of her house, knocked on the door and started sharing about Jesus. And Mariel says, oh, we love Jesus here. And the little boy said, so how do you know you're sure about Jesus? What's the basis of your salvation? <laughs> and Mariel gave him the answer. John three sixteen. But it was amazing to me And it struck me because uh, my first thought was, man, every single one of us should be knocking on doors. This is such a big deal. This is such an incredible announcement to the human race at this time of the year. So I just want to challenge you and encourage you uh, that you have the opportunity to bring To carry Jesus. You have the opportunity to step into that lifestyle that Mary portrayed. And I just want to say that can be in small groups as well. You know, in a small group, if you want to cultivate zeal for God, you're going to be interacting with others and then, you know, each take three candy canes and commit to each other that you're going to knock on three neighbors' doors and, you know, give them a candy cane and ask them if they know Jesus. It's not complicated. Uh, anyway, group discussion, third group discussion. Let's put this into practice. Who will you share this amazing news that we've heard today with? And also, how will you cultivate more zeal in 2021? So, talk about that for a couple minutes, and then we'll close. Burr, worship team, you guys. Can Karen come and I up. may
3: allow Christmas cards to... A bunch of people, and I take the in-town, and Terry takes the out-of-town, and I said, Lord, what can I say here, and many of these are not believers, and many are believers. And right away, he put in my heart and head, our hope is in him. So I signed off all the cards with our hope is in him, and trusting that God will use that uh, to... Uh, Help open their eyes to the message of the season
2: Amen excellent Anybody else at
5: the same time Jeremy Smith so Aubrey Smith has come back. she said, uh, Mighty God is her favorite, and she shows her love by singing so awesome job Aubrey Lewis Arnold. Every name given to him is my favorite because you need all of them to describe him. And then Chef Belanger, Jesus is my favorite for it encompasses all the names given to him. When I say his name, I feel the power of all the names given. All right, Christine.
6: I feel like I'm supposed to share a snippet of my testimony because it's a great example of what Dennis was just talking about. My fresh—I did not grow up going to church at all. We were not even Easter and Christmas <laughs> churchgoers, so I had no concept of God and Jesus. Um, my freshman year of college, I was not adjusting well. I was very depressed, and apparently, I don't remember this. <laughs> I filled out a lunchline survey with Campus Crusade for Christ that I wanted somebody to come to my room and talk to me, which is very unlike me. I was even more introverted at that time. Um, but this woman came into the room. I really didn't understand what she was telling me because I, I had no context, no foundation. But the joy that she exuded, <laughs> she was like this burst of light that came into my room. And I said, I don't understand what in the world she's talking about, but if that's what it is, I want that. Amen. Um, Amen. And I accepted Jesus. Yeah. So. Amen.
2: <laughs> The light dawned in your room, and it was a person in love with Jesus. Folks, that's, I mean, that's the sermon right there. That's the sermon right there. So um, we're going to come into some time of worship. I'm just going to pray, and um, uh, if you've got more to share, we can do that after service when we have communion. But Father, I just thank you for uh, the the beauty of Jesus. I thank you that he's a wonderful counselor, that he's a mighty God, that he's an everlasting father, and that he is the prince of peace. And Lord, we recognize now that it's not our religious performance, but it's your zeal that has accomplished this. Your zeal, Lord, is your holy love. It's your passionate love for us. And Lord, we receive that today. And Lord, I pray your love would fill this time and place, that your love would land on every one of my brothers and sisters in powerful ways. And if there's anyone here or anyone watching who has never experienced the love of Christ, I pray right now you open your heart, receive the love of Jesus Christ, the zeal of the Lord Almighty. We pray in Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord and worship uh, His awesome love for us. Amen. We glory in You, Lord. We praise You. We thank You, Lord, for being the wonderful Counselor, for being the mighty God, for being the eternal father for being the prince of peace we thank you Lord that you were born into time that you had created that you are the eternal son from heaven who's given for us and it is amazing that at great cost to you we are now free we thank you and praise you in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Hey, church, before we do the benediction, just a couple of things. Uh, First of all, uh, if you weren't here last week, we made an announcement about Jamie being uh, appointed co-senior pastor of Marymount Church uh, in the new year, and we'll be uh, voting as a congregation on that two weeks from today, on January 3rd. We will have a Zoom meeting, congregation meeting, so... Uh, Go on the website under events. There's all the announcement is there and uh, please check it out. Please pray about it. If you have any questions, uh, please ask one of your elders. Uh, We'd be happy to answer any questions. Uh, Secondly, uh, Christmas Eve services. So we are going to have Christmas Eve services. We are not having them on Tuesday. We're having them on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. Then Thursday at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and 5 o'clock. If you would like to come, you need to RSVP to mark at marymontchurch.org. So please do that, and we will look forward to celebrating Christmas Eve together here in the auditorium at the Parish Center. Also, I just want to encourage you in your giving. I mentioned that last week. You have been incredibly generous this year. So I just encourage you, is if you have not looked at your giving recently, to take a look at that and prayerfully give so we can continue uh, the impact and outreach of our ministry here in the city and internationally. Yes. So uh, let me bless you with uh, this scripture from Thessalonians. Let's say it together over each other. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people, grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. Church, may the zeal of the Lord captivate you. May the zeal of the Lord cleanse you. And may the zeal of the Lord consume you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's go at home and hear and celebrate communion uh, as we uh, receive the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the body and blood that he gave for us. Amen. Have a great week.